All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Let's do a show. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to episode 287 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gills. Today I'm joined by Weez Daniel, staying up late to be with us again. Yeah, hello. Marcus Almighty Mark. Greetings. And also the ever-faithful. I loved your Christmas tree, by the way. I thought that was absolutely awesome and nice. They sent me a ton of stuff for it. That was really cool. I entered it in a contest. They sent me like a box full of crap. It's so great. (laughs) <laughs> yep, it is. And also, uh, congratulations to your team for bringing it to the Patriots. Uh, it may not have ended up as a win, but uh, we looked pretty. We looked pretty bad. Hey, sometimes when you win, you lose, and sometimes when you lose, you win. And all we got to do is lose one more game, and we can draft Joe Burrow number one overall in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Always look on the bright side of life. All right, so this week uh, we're going to pretty much jump into the topic, which we actually mentioned on the show last week. But first, uh, congratulations to Gary Kay. He was the prize winner for the Ace Freely Autograph 10th Anniversary Edition Double Yellow Vinyl uh, from E1 of Anomaly. So uh, thank you to everyone who entered, and I can't believe there were quite a few incorrect answers. Ace's current record label is, of course, E1. Not fuck you, Julian. That was not a correct answer. That's a good answer, Unfortunately, had to delete your entry for not meeting the required parameters. Um, Pay for creativity, though. (laughs) Very creative. There were were a few very creative entries. Um, I'm going to guess you didn't make it through the episode. Uh, So we'll do another giveaway probably early in the new year. Also, band too <laughs> i did update the band icon uh, the avatar on the board with a nice gallagher flaming mallet um for anyone who who gets on my bad side which of course I, i've always been curious how many people do you ban a month is it like one or five or from ten, the board ten, ten ten a month 15 oh, yeah 15 Okay. Yeah. A, wow. a lot of a lot of them are rogue accounts. A lot of them are just people who come in to shit stir or okay. a person who is immediately rude to someone else. Um I, I I find it interesting though because the the KISS fan base are so different than let's say the Yes one that I do, the Yes podcast. I don't think we've ever banned a single person on there. I think the most foulest thing we've ever heard is I don't quite agree with that review is like the most wretched thing we've ever heard oh. on our thing. Like seriously, like the 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 difference is unbelievable. I mean, I know Kiss are very passionate people, but I mean, I never thought it would get that you know that harsh. Yeah, and and people who come on the board to deliberately try and stir up garbage elsewhere or even here, whatever. It's goodbye, you know. Yeah. It, it, ban a lot of people and uh you know you go look at the user list to see how many people have been banned count them up if you like counting dots count the banned people you know tell me how many people i've banned um the only other news this week is tomorrow peter chris's 74th birthday so happy birthday peter chris the one and only the original the real deal the cat man 
Uh, have a fantastic day, and as we say in England, many happy returns of the day. Um, let's get into the topic. And last week we kind of mentioned it in passing. It'd be fun to do an episode where we rank our favorite opening tracks on Kiss albums. So, you know, I just threw it out there that if it's a Kiss album, got a Kiss logo on it, that's eligible for entry as one of your picks. So that includes compilations because everyone listens to the catalog differently. I didn't want to narrow it down into just uh, the studio album. So you know what? The solo albums, they have Kiss logos on them. They're fair game for this discussion. The live albums, all fair. And um, I just want to go through some honorable mentions before we get into the top 10 list. And we had a good spread of songs, actually. I, I was very impressed. Ken submitted his list, um, and thank God he did, because otherwise we would not have had charisma on our list. And everyone's going, <laughs> wait, that's not the opening track. Well, it was for Ken, because when he it's first terrible. put on Dynasty, he put on the wrong side first. So that's forever been his opening track. And I kind of wish he'd been here to tell that story again, because it always makes me smile. Um, other ones that didn't quite make it, Strutter. Uh, he was the only one who picked that off the first album. Um, I was the only one who picked Modern Day Delilah. I had it in tenth place before you changed the rules. So, yeah, well, it still wouldn't have made yeah. the cut for the discussion. I had uh, it in my. It was, it was close to mine. Yeah. 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 Is that you? Hate. I want you. Tonight You Belong to Me actually got some points. Psycho Circus, surprisingly, did not make the cut. Mm -hmm. And for you know everyone who got the revamped version of Music from the Elder, The Oath. And that was on my list uh, because just that feeling of a comp. I've, I've told the story of how, I, how long it took me to find the cassette of it in the mid-'80s. So that feeling, it's always kind of stuck with me whenever I hear that song. It still will always be the opening track to that album let's go straight into our top 10 lists and uh in 10th place on eight points coming home the mtv unplugged version lonnie start us off on this i had that on my list um i and it, it's it's a perfect track it's, it's such an underrated song and it kiss really made it sound just gave that song so much new life when they did it in 95 on the convention tour and when they opened mtv MTV unplugged with it. And I, you know, it's one of those moments that you always remember. Like I remember watching MTV unplugged in my mom and dad's basement and then opening with coming home, you know, and you got to put yourself in, in 1995 where, and, and at the age you were too, I was 15, 16 years old in 1995. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to follow the band back then, you know, you, you pick up hip parader or metal edge or something like that. And that's, you know, the most current thing you know about it. And by the time it's printed and pitched newsstands, well, the information is usually a couple months old. So just them playing, coming home, just like it put, they took me by surprise on playing that song to lead off MTV Unplugged just to begin with, because I didn't go to a convention show because when I was 15, a hundred dollars in 1995 was a whole lot of money. When you're 15, you really don't have any kind of income anyway. So that the am leading off with coming home, which just, great and it just sets the tone for what it set the tone for what they were going to do that night on mtv unplugged and it sets the tone for the that album in itself you just turn on that album even today and you listen to coming home and it sounds so crisp and paul sounds so great and it's it is it is such a great leadoff song for what the album stands for and i've said on the show before that's one of my favorite kiss albums is kiss mtv unplugged so that song is so crisp and just sets, a, and I'm going to say that a lot probably during this episode, that such a great, sets 
such a great tone because that's what opening songs do. But that song really does make a statement for what they were about to do that night. Yeah, it's only on this list, really, because I ranked it my fourth favorite. Mm. Um, so it got a lot of points out of me, and you were the only other one who chose it as well. So that's how it ends up on this list. I kind of skewed it just because of the happy feelings that it gave me. Mm -hmm. In the 96, again, in Scotland, getting that cassette, um, I'd been trading a lot of cassettes and hearing the you know, the audio from the, um, the convention tour, and then to hear this crisp, perfect perfect performance to this day I, I'm, I'm just looking at mark holding up the video from mtv unplugged wow what an event um what a moment that's really never been properly repeated uh yeah bruce and tommy have been on you know, you know part of the lineup and ace part of me um on the cruise on an acoustic but it's not the same uh, you can't go back in time to 1996 mark you guys have any comments on coming home as an opening track um, yeah, I mean, it, I always thought it was a great opening track. Um, I, di I didn't make my list mainly because, um, let's just put it this way. Out of all the albums I listen to a lot, MTV Unplugged is not really one of them for some reason to that song, because I, I'll agree with Lonnie, that's probably the greatest version of Coming Home that Kiss has ever done, hands down. So, I think that it deserves to be given that mantle that, you know, one of the greatest opening tracks, because it, it is. I mean, it took a song that was pretty boring on an album, like the studio version of it is pretty dull. Right. And they brought it like back to what it should have been like. And like I said before, uh, if you if a song sounds good on acoustic guitar, then it's a great song. And that this version of it proves that hands down. Yeah. Daniel, what are your thoughts on coming home? Well, I think it's a great opening track for that album, and I was surprised it sounded so so good. Uh, but I guess they uh, hammered it out on the tour previously and uh, got a feel for it, and uh, it actually works really well on that album. And they continued to play it live in different settings, like on Much Music and Conan O'Brien, I think, and, and uh, a few others. Uh, so they liked it, and it worked well. So yeah, I think it's a good opening track, even though I think there's 10 that's better than that one. <laughs> there's a lot that's better <laughs> yeah. than you ask anyone else. All right, so yeah, let's yeah. move on into ninth place on 10 points, and uh, three of us have this on our list, uh, me. You, Daniel, and Mark, yeah. so all the 80s boys. Um, I've had mm -hmm. enough Into the Fire, lead off track, off mm -hmm. Animalized. So, <laughs> Mark, let's start with you on that one. Your thoughts? Um, well, it, it's obviously a very hard-hitting song. I mean, what a way to start a record. And for, for an album that's bringing in a new guitar player at that time, you kind of want to hit people square between the eyes because you want to you know, let the KISS fans know that this is a you know, a real kick-ass guitar player that we got now. And th he he definitely goes to bat on this song. I mean, his guitar playing, his soloing is just like unbelievable on this song. So uh, it's definitely uh, gives you that feeling that, wow, if this is the opening track, I can't wait to hear what's going to come after this. And that's exactly what an opening song should do. Yeah, great thoughts. Daniel, your thoughts on I've Had Enough. Yeah, I have to agree with what, what Mark said. Uh, I, I remember being blown away by this one, and uh, I, I think I, I'd actually put 
put it in front of King of the Mountain by a hair, uh, just because it's very sentimental to me. And uh, I actually like the solo for Mark St. John in the beginning, you know, starting off with that screaming guitar. And um, it feels like you've been hit by lightning or a Tommy gun going off. Well, there's a joke there somewhere, Tommy and when lightning strike. Well, anyway, uh, you know, it's a it's a solid song throughout. And, and I also like the cool ending, you know, uh, that sometimes Kiss forgets that the ending is important as well. And they just use the fade out, but uh, yeah. they nail it on this song. So uh, and then, of course, it opens up for the for the second song, which is Heavens on Fire. So it's one of those perfect one two punches from Kiss. Yeah, I loved it when I got the Mark St. John work tapes that had actually the instrumental parts and you could hear where they were doing the fills for um, Eric Carr with the toms. Um, yeah. Is that what they'd be? Uh, the the multi-sized toms, just that sound at the end yeah. when, it, when it does the, the ending. Fantastic stuff. Lonnie, your thoughts on um, I've had enough? No, I think it's I think it's, it's great. It didn't make didn't make my my top 10 list, but um, no, it it's it's definitely a a punch you in the face type song with that guitar work going on not something that you know you put yourself back in 1984 that someone would have really expected like oh okay well who is this new guitarist because you probably might have heard the single heavens on fire before you bought the album and the video and that but when that song comes on i mean it literally just punches you in the face so i it's it's a great opening track and i can listen to that album for the first time you'd be like oh my gosh what what's going to come next yeah so it, it's 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 for an opening track you you couldn't pick a better one for that album. Yeah, so I also had this one on my list. Uh, Mark and I ranked it the same. You know, it, it made our list. I think we date ourselves as Kiss fans. You know, when we kind of enter the picture, you know, seriously uh, by having this sort of song on there. Looking back at it, I mean, what a what an era of opening tracks Paul Stanley yeah. had. Um, you know, at that time that I became a fan, I was really lucky. You know, when I got Animalize and this is the first song, you know, same things everyone else says. Wow. You know, now you look back and you kind of think, well, you know, Vinny's gone. This is it's a heck of a declaration that a guitar hero, uh, you know, a guitar player of that era is still very much present and in the band. So always like it. Um, you know, it isn't all downhill from here either on Animalize, so that's a good thing about it. It sets a tone, and Paul's stuff certainly lives up to it. So, mm -hmm. All right, let's move on into eighth place, and it's our first, you know, solo album song. And I don't think anyone will be too surprised. On 11 points, rip it out from the Ace Freely solo album, obviously. And uh, I'm the only one who does not have this on my list. Daniel, uh, start us off with your thoughts on it, please. Um, it's a quintessential Ace song, you know, a snare and then it goes right into a cool riff. Uh, pure Ace, you know, simple, catchy, uh, somewhat along the lines of some of my favorite Ace songs like Cold Gin or uh, Parasite. Uh, he wrote a lot of cool songs back in the day. And, uh, you know, he was the master of playing catchy riffs, simple catchy riffs, perfect for a guitar player, uh, you know, a beginner to start off with Ace's songs. Uh, and as I said, I've never been a fan of Fade Out Endings, unfortunately. There's one on this one. But uh, uh, what a rocker and what a way to start off the album. And, and you, you knew what, what the album was going to sound like when you heard this song. So I think it's a great opener. And he uses this to this day. 
often as the open track when he plays live. Yep, Ace's declaration, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of funny, you know, with me being the one who doesn't have it on my list, yet I performed it on the jam session on the cruise <laughs> and at the Rock and Pod uh, the first year that Lonnie and Mark were both there. So that, that's kind of funny. Mark, you have you ranked this the highest of anyone. Yeah, um, I've always thought that this was one of Ace's crowning achievements, to be quite honest. I mean, when I first got into the solo albums, um, I remember when I got this, uh, I think it was my second of the solo records. I think I bought Paul's first, and then I got this one, and I I, I immediately was like like hit with this song because I thought, wow, like the drumming on it was incredible. I was a big fan of Anton Fig after this because I thought the drum fills in the middle section and everything were fantastic. The sound of the record was just the best out of all of them, in my opinion, out of all four albums. Uh, Eddie Kramer, he he knows what to do with with Ace, you know. And he knows how to make him sound good and make his, you know, make his performances really stand out. And that's very evident here. And the drum sound that he got on this record is is fantastic. So all the elements are there, again, for a strong, strong opener. And again, when I listened to this, I was like, wow, what's coming next? And we got right into, you know, Speeding Back to My Baby, which is another great song. So, again, it's so important to start off a record with these kind of songs, because if you lose the person at the beginning, you're going to have a hard time getting them back into it to, you know, to, to make them stick around for something later, because who knows, you might have a gem later on in the album. And if you don't have something to keep them in from the very beginning, they'll never get to that point in the record. So I, I, I always thought that this was a fantastic, fantastic opener. And I remember when this record was done, I was thinking to myself, well, then Gene and Peter's album has got to be just as great as this. You know, but of course they never ended up being that good. But you know, you, you can't win on all of them. No, they were better. Um, Lonnie, <laughs> you, you also ranked this one highly. Um, you know, I think I think Daniel really said it with that that riff at the beginning, just just hooks you in when you're listening to this song. Not only the first time you ever hear the album, but I, but even today when I when I put on. That album, like you hear that 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 snare, and then the, you go straight into that riff. It, it's it's so catchy and and moving, and, and it just sucks you in immediately. Um, and then like Mark said, and then just goes straight into speeding back my baby, and it just lures you in even more. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's it's fan. I mean, Ace is so on me. It's just a masterpiece. So those. Just but rip it out, just starting off the way it does, and the way that that hook of that riff just catches you in is a perfect lead-off song for that album. I, I, I mean, and you look at those, just look at those songs by themselves. I can't imagine that album leading off with any other track. I mean, it's perfect. It's the perfect lead-off song for that album. Yeah, and my last thoughts are on it. Obviously, I, I mentioned playing it, and it's just really fun to play on guitar. It was one of the first Kiss songs, Kiss-related songs, that I was able to play the rhythm guitar for all the way through. And then it was one that I started learning singing. So, you know, great song. All right, let's move on. Number seven, we're in seventh place on 12 points. Bit of a shocker. Detroit Rock City. And... There are only two people who had this on their list, so let's start with the ones who did not. Lonnie. I didn't, and and it's tough because, you know, that intro to Track City is so great and so powerful. Um, But I I always go, and I'm 
I'm not going to start ripping on Destroyer on this show like 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 another cast member does, but the way the way Destroyer kicks off with with the intro with you know the car and the and the radio and this and that and it takes a minute and a half just to get to that intro. I was never really a, a, a big fan of that. Not that I hate it, but I wasn't really a big fan of that as far as a leadoff song goes. Um, on Destroyer, and I have, and I don't know, I just have a hard time picking Detroit Rock City off of Pick Your Compilation, Greatest Kiss, or I know Greatest Kiss leads off with Detroit Rock City, and I'm sure there's Alive another two. one. I'm sorry? Alive 2? Alive 2. And I thought about I thought about it for Alive 2, because as I was doing my list, I'm like, oh, how can I not have Detroit Rock City on here? Um, but I didn't. So, I and I was okay with it at the end of the day, just just because I, when I was singing Detroit Rock City, I always think of Destroyer. And I was never a great big fan of the way it starts on Destroyer. So that's why I left it off my list, even though it's, you know, quintessential Kiss song. The nice thing about this is that there is no wrong answer. Mark, it's not on your list, obviously. Is it for similar reasons to the long intro, getting into it? Or is there anything about the actual just, musical song itself that bothers you? Or is it you? just because of the fact it appears on Destroyer? Um... <laughs> Well, I think a lot of it, Lonnie touched on, I think that as an intro, again, this is, and this is being truthful. This is not just, you know, being typical Mark when it comes to Destroyer, but it does take a long time to get to the song. I mean, out of all the Kiss records, this is probably the longest you wait for something to start happening in this song, you know, and I, while I understand that it's, there's sort of a concept behind it and stuff like that, I mean, you have to kind of, you know, you have to bring them in a little bit quicker than that, I would think, you know, so that, and also the other thing that kind of made me not put it as high is that on in studio, I always thought it was never as powerful as it was live. I think live, it always comes across stronger than it does in the studio. And the other thing that it kind of made me give it a the merit point off is that I've always uh, associated this song as much with Bob Ezrin. I think he has a lot to do with the the creation of this song, the the solo section, and all those parts were thought up by Bob. I mean, you listen to the early versions of this song that Paul did. There's pieces of it in there, but man, did it ever get redone and retouched up by Bob Ezrin? So it's almost as much a Bob Ezrin song as it is a Kiss song. So those are the kind of the reasons why I didn't put it as high in my ranking. Fair enough. Daniel, you ranked this the highest of us. So, Yeah, I had a discussion with a friend of mine uh, a week or two ago, and he, he asked me, he's into Tool, you know, that mm. band who I think they had a number one album in America a few yeah. months ago. Yeah. And he always complains that Kiss never has any intros that sets the tone for, for a song. And they always start off right off the bat, and so to speak. And I guess that's something that I like with Kiss. But if you're into Tool, uh, uh, I guess you, you find it kind of too simplistic or something. So I think it was kind of nice that they at least tried. This is one of the few times where, where they tried to have a long intro that set the mood for, sets the mood for the song. Uh, and uh, I think they managed to create some sort of, uh, you know, cinematic feel with a guy starting his car and then crashing at the end. It really doesn't say a lot about the rest of the album, however, but uh, 
I think it was a, a cool way. But I have to agree with what the other guy said that when I listened to Detroit Rock City, I, I skipped the intro. But the first time, and as an intro song, when you listen to a, a, an album for the first time, I think it's a great way to start things off. And uh, it seems like they put a lot of effort into creating that cinematic feel. And I think it's about, almost the only time they did that. So I think it's a nice piece of history, you know. But but in comparison, though, the tool, tool, there a lot of their intros are done. They have long intros, but they're musical intros yeah, too. Yeah. And a lot of the times, though, I've I've seen Tool a few times in concert, and they sync up a lot of their introductions to video stuff on on in the on the concert stage, right? So a lot of their introductions are thought of already ahead of time with that in mind. Like they'll put up these really weird graphics that go along with the long introductions, right? Yeah, but I had to come up with something when they complain about Kiss. That was the only thing I could say. The only thing I could come up with was the Detroit Rock City intro. And I kind of like it. Yeah. It's a great song as well, you know. And they have opened every, a lot of tours with that song. or And they have opened a, a few encores with that song as well. So it, 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 it's a good way of starting things off. And that's why I kind of picked the song. Had nothing to do with the intro, which I would usually fast forward through when back in the cassette tape days to get to the freaking song. And the song itself is majestic. It's grand. It's bombastic. It's everything we love about Kiss. Um, you know, and obviously, like Mark also said, everything that Bob did to that song. We only know that now, having heard Paul's little yeah. demo, um, to really understand how much he has a role in its transformation. So it's a fantastic opening track. It's still a fantastic song. I'll never get bored of hearing in concert. Um, it, it's one of those ones. It's got to be there. All right, let's move on. In sixth place, on 16 points, Exciter. Of Lick It Up. Um, Lonnie, let's start with you on... Did you even have this one on your list? I do. I have it at number eight. You do indeed. So, uh, first, we all do, actually. There we go. That's nice. Mm. Um, I think Exciter was... Is a... It's, it, that, I talked about... I've had enough Into the Fire as like a punch you in the face type song, but Exciter really is a song that literally just punches you in the face at the beginning. And it... it it lets you know that there is a different lead guitarist in Kiss. We're not trying to hold it back and disguise it anymore. <laughs> and they make no bones about it with that song, open it up, look it up. Like, here we are without makeup. This is the band, Gene, Paul, Eric, and Vinny. This is the lineup. And listen to this. Um, and it hooks you right away. Like, oh, wow, well, this, this isn't, this doesn't sound like rock and roll over. And not that it's a bad, you know, and not that that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, everybody has their own favorite version and own, but that song is like, is a statement, is a statement that here we are. You may not have heard Creatures of the Night because it didn't sell very well. And, you know, we're not the same band that produced, that put out Dynasty. We're not the same band that put out Unmasked a few years ago. This is who we are and we're here kick your ass and i love that song yep mark uh, you wrote, ranked it the same as lonnie yeah uh, again i think that a lot of what lonnie said i i'll echo i mean it's a it's a statement and again they went through a, a change you know not long ago with a, with the guitar player now it's more concrete who is the, in the band with Vinny. and uh again they have to come out with something 
to make sure that people realize that they're serious and, and the, the song is going to, you know, grab them by the throat and shake them up a bit. And and it does just that. I think the, the beginning is fantastic. I love that little flanger effect on the guitar when he starts the guitar at the very top. I, I think it's very well done. Again, another great uh, example of a produced record that, you know, while it does sound 80s, it, it doesn't sound too dated. I think if I put this record on now, I don't find myself thinking, oh, this is like an 80s record. I just think it's an, uh, an, a record from a certain time period, but I don't would never associate it with just 80s. I mean, there are definitely 80s records that sound, you know, a lot more dated than Lick It Up does for sure. But uh, it's, it's a great song. Uh, the guitar playing in it is really good. The soloing is great on it. I mean, even though they had a ghost session player for that song, but still... I mean, you wouldn't have known. I mean, when we when you listen to some of the other examples of what Vinny did, it wasn't too far far off the track, I don't think. So uh, I think that they could have got away with what Vinny did, anyways. But I think overall, it did what it's supposed to do, and that is grab you by the you know the ears and go, whoa, what's this? And perk up and listen to what's going on, and you know, sit at attention for everything from that point on. Yep, agreed. Daniel, you also had this on yours. Yeah. Uh... This is uh, one of the great opening tracks. You know, Creatures, Slick It Up, Animalize, and Asylum had all great opening tracks. It was hard to me, for me to to decide in what order I wanted them because they're all so great. But uh, um, I like this one. It kind of reminds me of the Creatures one. It feels like, well, here we did a great album in Creatures. We had a great opening track, but no one heard it. Let's do it again. You know, the chugging guitars bombastic drums in the beginning um, and a real cool thought out ending as well uh, mm-hmm. so uh, I have to just second what the other guy said, it's a great opening track yeah and, and same here this was fourth on my list so again it's getting a lot of these points because of my memories of borrowing this uh, tape off my buddy Dave and just putting it on autoplay round and round and whenever Cider <laughs> would come back around you'd be like Wah! you know uh, <laughs> just a really really great song and again you know, I, I actually love the, the version with Vinny's solo I think Rick just does a slightly cleaner version of Vinny's melody so <laughs> So it's still very much Vinny's song, even though uh, he gets bumped off. And, and you know, I, when I listen to the demo, that is one I love to have the multi-tracks of the actual mm. demo uh, in, in pristine. There's extremely good out there already, but that's one I would, I'm would i still greedy for better, even though you really can't get much better. So great song. All right, we're into the top half now and in fifth place on 20 points. Lonnie, tell us which song this is. Mm-hmm. Um, am I am I looking to hear something, or are you? Or am I on? Unholy. No. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I was looking for some audio. No, we're, since you're since you're throwing it at me, I'm going to say that it's unholy. I had it number three on my list. Um, you guys probably thought I would have it number one on my list, but it is number three. I was fair and biased. <laughs> um, so, unholy again is one of those songs that, um, I mean. The first time I heard it, and I've told this story before, was like I, I saw the video for it and was totally taken away. And but it is the perfect song to lead off that album and the way it fades in. I love the way the song fades in, and then just the the um, the power chords afterwards, and it just hooks you in. And Gene's Gene's vocals, and it's like the demon is back. 
is all you can think of. Is all you can think of. Even, even when I look, hear that song today, it's like, oh, it's it's the demon. He's fine. You know, he's finally returned. And he, it's Gene finally comf- comfortable without the makeup and and who he was in his own skin. So, um, that's always you know it's it's phenomenal and it's the perfect record. It's the perfect song to lead off revenge. In a, in a in a kind of a, an again type feeling as look it up of like kisses back type feeling um, after coming off of a lackluster performance on Hot in the Shade it's like you know here we are kisses back the demon is back you know taking revenge listen to this yeah so uh, only three of us have this on our list uh, Mark you uh, obviously yes. like it for the production. Um, but you rank you rank it as the same as Lonnie again, so you know you guys yeah. are on a similar page. So why? Um, well, I think a lot of the things that Lonnie said, I, I'll echo for sure. Uh, the beginning of it, the way it kind of fades in, it sets a fantastic mood. I think the very first time I heard this, I was anticipating something. You know, like when it starts with that, dun, 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 and it starts fading in. You're like, oh shit, what the hell's gonna happen here now? Because I listened to it very, very loud the first time, and I was like, "What the hell's going on here?" Like, and when it kicked in, it was like, like a ball of fire. It came in, and I thought this was fantastic. This to me, and you know, considering that who's you know producing it and stuff like that, you would probably think I would probably put it lower. But I, I honestly think this is one of his best production uh, albums yeah, that he's sure. done. It sounds fantastic. I mean, a lot of that I looked into a lot more because I, there was a few things in this song, particularly that I was just intrigued by and wanted to know more about. For example, that guitar solo sound that Bruce had. I was thinking to myself, I have not heard a wah pedal that sounds like that. And after doing more research about it, I did find out that he did have some modifications done to one of his guitars that has a sort of EQ uh, boost in that guitar that works with that particular wah pedal that he used. So it it is a little bit of studio trickery in there, but it sounds incredible. And I mean, the drums sound great. Gene's bass guitars have never sounded better than on this record, you know, and and their voices are, are all recorded so well. I mean, I, it, for me, it sounds like they finally sat down and said, OK, you know what? On your, your last record, you went into like a demo studio and you just took whatever was there and just, you know, slapped on the tape and recorded. This time they actually went in, probably pulled out a half dozen mics and said, OK, which one does Gene sound best on when he sings? Which does Paul sound best on when he sings? You know, let's put a, a half dozen mics in the drums. What sounds good? What doesn't sound? They actually sounded like they wanted to make a sonic masterpiece. And they did do that with this. My only complaint about this record before was I just think that the song writing isn't as up to par as the production. But, you know, but this song is not one of those examples. This song is well written, a, a, a definite opener. And I think that, you know, I don't know what would have what I would have had to her to make it number one. But just the songs I put over it, I just think just impacted me more than this song. <laughs> you going to sleep? <laughs> Getting a pillow? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Daniel, you yeah. this on yours. Uh, Unholy was um, my number seven on this list, and I I agree with everything that the other guys said. Um, you know that creepy beginning, and all the way to the bombastic ending. And one thing that hasn't been mentioned is I think the video 
really tied in well with the song. And the first time I heard it was on Headbangers Ball Europe, and I saw the video. And I think that even made it more, made a, a bigger impact because of the video. Uh, and I think, to me, that's the best Kiss video of all time, I would say. I think it's just a perfect way of stating that we're back, we're mean and lean, and I'm Gene. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, as Lauren said, I'm, I'm, I'm mean Gene again. I've always liked the Mean Gene songs. And this is <coughs> certainly one of his best. And again, the production, this record could almost have been made this year, I think. It has aged very well. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'd put it up with any other record, you know, when it comes to the, the Sonics. Uh, and I think it ties in great with, you get the album, you look at it, it's metal and blood and bullet holes. And then this is the first song. And I, I, I really love the video. I, I think that has to be mentioned as well. As well. That's a, an important part of Unholy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And it could have made my list. It just got kind of got bumped off from modern day Delilah in last spot, just because of where I was at in 1992. It didn't do much for me as an opening track, even though the album does sound fantastic, as you've all said. Um, but compared with 2000 and what was it, 2008, 2009, when modern day Delilah came out and it was just riff based heavy again. And it was like the happiness for me of Psycho Circus not being the final Kiss studio album. Um, so that's the only reason it got bumped off and not that I was trying to be, uh, you know, deliberately annoying. Well, not that I would ever do that. All right, let's <laughs> move on. And now, you know, now there's a significant point jump as we get into the top four. Um, on 29 points, or as Paul would say, now it gets tough. Um, 29 points, I Stole Your Love. So I, I think everyone has this on it. Lonnie, it's your favorite. It is. Um, I'm, I'm surprised it's as low on this compilation list as what it is. Um, I think I, I Stole Your Love is like, the perfect lead-off song for an album. Even, I mean, I ranked it, obviously I ranked it higher than Unholy, so that's saying something on this show, you know? And, I mean, it, it is, it's fantastic. And it, it's it's one of my favorite Kiss songs. And, you know, they, and, and it's and it's classic Kiss, which makes it even that much better. Um, it's the only one, it's the only song in the original six albums that I picked that it, that I love the leadoff song from. So I didn't pick Destroyer. I didn't pick Strutter or, or, um, Got to Choose or Room Service. You know, I, I think I Still Love is a perfect leadoff song for a classic, a classic Kiss record. And think about, think about, um, Detroit Rock City, the movie, you know, where the mom, she's putting on the record and she thinks it's the Carpenters and it kicks in the I Store Your Love and she's like freaking out because it's because that song is the perfect lead off punch in the face type song to start off a classic Kiss album. So for me, it's it's and it's Kiss at their very height. So, I mean, I think, I think I Store Your Love is just the perfect lead off song. Daniel, you also rank it very highly. Yeah, I had it in third place. Uh, just a perfect opener. And um, I really like all of Paul's songs on that album. It's maybe one of the albums where he was very focused on uh, creating cool riffs, much in the vein of some Ace Frehley riffs, you know. 
Making Love, uh, Mr. Speed. Uh, da, 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 da. That's uh, let's see now. Um, what's the song? Da, 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 take me. Uh, yeah, take me. Yeah, mm-hmm. take me that as well. So uh, and this is probably the best of the bunch. But what really put it up high for me was I always liked the song, but then I I got a hold of some bootleg tapes from the Hot in the Shade tour. And like seeing them opening that tour with with I Stole Your Love and Deuce as a one-two punch, man, that was one of the greatest ways to start a Kiss show ever. And uh, they really nailed the song on that tour. So I Stole Your Love, you can't miss with that one, starting off a show or an album. Absolutely. Love love that you brought the hits tour into that. It really was cool to watch all those bootlegs and listen to it for those of us who didn't see the tour. Mark, you again, everyone ranks it highly. So your thoughts on I Still Your Love? Yeah, again, uh, another great song. Um, this was during the era where Paul started, you know, running into Electric Lady by himself and started demoing stuff like Love Gun and then this song as well. I believe he went in and did a pretty nice demo of it. So he already had a, a very strong vision of how he wanted the song to be. And uh, obviously he hit the nail right on the head because it's a great song. It does everything you want. A, a catchy intro riff, which is the chorus riff as well. And, you know, the vocals are very, very Paul. I mean, you, you couldn't get this mixed up with anybody else in the band, you know, saying that, oh, this maybe Ace wrote this and Paul just took it or something. No way. This is total Paul Stanley uh, it has all his flair and razzmatazz on it, and I, I, I just think it's one of his better opening songs. I mean, I think Love Gun's one of those records where, you know, all of them kind of really buckled down, and, you know, they might not have written a ton of songs, but the songs that they did put on the records, I think, were pretty strong. And Love Gun was strong. This was strong, you know. Uh, you know, the, the, it, it, they were getting to that point where they were hitting their peak, I think, as writers. Yeah. Fuck, I, I messed it up like Paul Stanley. The songs I was referring to was on Rock and Roll Over, so I'm sorry about that. But Paul Stanley does that as well. You know, taking all that stuff. <laughs> it's very Paul Stanley of you. It's a, even Paul Stanley can. So, you've, yeah. you've at least corrected yourself and yeah. knew that you were wrong. He doesn't care. He wrote the song. you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, there, there's the difference. So obviously it's on my list as well. When I was going back through the catalog when I was first getting into the band, this one always jumped out at me. Now in kind of my historian post-revisionist view i think it could be so much better if it sounded had the production values of rock and roll over i find it just they polished a little bit too much of the edge away off all the material on love gun um you know which was just you know it happens you know they ended up recording in the record plant they're originally going to record at the cynical but aerosmith wouldn't get their fucking asses out of that studio so they had to find somewhere else to record i think if they've been recording in that manner it would have sounded much closer to the rock and roll over sound that eddie's better at capturing as an engineer rather than producer because he's certainly not a producer in the sense of uh bringing much more to the work other than capturing it so you know fantastic song and what daniel said about the hot in the shade tour echo that a thousand times over i never get tired of watching videos with that as the opening one two punch all right let's move on in third place on 30 points three of you ranked this the same and then there was me um creatures of the night lonnie let's start with you on there 
number two for me on my list. I guess it's my, the other guys here is number two as well. Um, did you rank it one, Julian, or what did I you rank did, it? I did not. It's uh, third from last. Really? Come on, the, come on, this is the top ten of openings, and everything that I have above it is superior, like The Oath, Detroit Rock City. <laughs> Creatures of the Night? Come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> Daniel's lost a lot of respect for you over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All respect is gone. <laughs> Creatures of the Night as an opener is fantastic. I almost put it one above Ice Through Love. All respect is gone. Well, why don't you start twisting the knife so that we can get to the other guys and they can have a good jab at me as well. Man, you're going to ban us before this episode's <laughs> over. <laughs> um, Cruises of the Night is an opener. I almost put a one. I mean, the, just the drums to start, start it off. Just like, holy shit, what is this? That's That's not how a Kiss record starts off. And it sucks you in to um it, it, it just sucks you in immediately that it's like oh my gosh that's fan fantastic what is this that's totally different than than what i've heard off of if i bought if i even bought the elder or what i heard on unmasked and what an opening track i was made for loving you was i mean it was really in a sense like oh my gosh they're back type of thing and that a lot of Kiss fans had been waiting for. And for that song to kick off an album, it was like, wow, what what is going on here? That's that's not what Kiss sounds like, but I love it. So and I still love it when I put on Creatures of the Night and I get that drum intro to start off the album. The song is fantastic, and I think Julian's out of his mind. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> let's let's have you insult me now. I have to sec- second everything that Lonnie has said, especially the latest part. And uh, when it comes to studio album, this is my absolute favorite. I think it, this was the song that, uh, this was the first time almost when Kiss understood that we need to start off the album in a certain way because uh, Creases of the Night, I think they tried to copy that at least on Lick It Up, maybe even on Animalize and Asylum. They went for similar ways of starting off albums. And just imagine going back in time, you know, getting unmasked, the elder, and then this, you know, creatures of the night. I mean, you must have been blown away back in the day. Uh, So it's like you can't do a better opening song, in in my opinion, than this one. And... uh, well, so some people seem to think that start, the start-off song from The Elder was better, but, but I, I can't really see how. This is perfection. <laughs> there we go, Mark. <laughs> well, um, again, this is one of those songs that absolutely uh, signifies what an opening track should be. It, it's hard-hitting. It catches you right from the very, very start. And again, I have to echo what a lot of these guys said here is that the production of it was really what caught me initially. When those drums kicked in on this song, I was like, wow, what is this? That that was just absolutely the most thunderous drums I'd ever heard on a drum set. And I mean, even when when he does those little, you know, those little uh, stab hits at the end of the verse, like those floor toms like punch out so clearly on that and when they do those little accents it's 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 unbelievable i mean 
that song alone made me start diving into magazines and looking and saying, what, what the hell kind of microphones did, did Michael James Jackson use to record this? You know, and then finally, when he came out of his closet and started talking about, you know, using these Telefunken microphones and stuff like that, I was like quickly looking them up on Google. Where can I find these mics? You know, it's, it, it's, it had such a huge impact on me, the production of it and that song itself. I mean, you got to remember, too, if the song was garbage, the, all the production in the world wouldn't have helped it. It, it. it was a good combination of a strong metal song that caught your ear, but the production of it also kind of, you know, just blasted through the speakers and really made you sit up and pay attention. It's it's everything that an opening track should be. To me, there's only one song in my opinion that's better than it for an opening track. But just 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 by that much I found it it was better. But you know this this song has everything that I love about, you know, this type of music. It has the big crunchy guitars, the bass guitar is really growly and in your face. The drums are unbelievable. They're, they don't get buried at all, you know, and the vocals are fantastic in there. And the guitar solo just, just fits perfectly in this song. So everything across the board is a 10. I don't know about you guys, but when you speak to non-KISS fans, this record still gets a lot of love. I mean, most people I've speak to who, who are into music but not into KISS, they always say that Crease of the Night is the, like the best KISS album. I think... Yeah, this one is one for the ages, you know. Well, I had to take Crazy Crazy Nights off my list to put this one on. So up yours, all of you. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Metal um, up your ass. You know, I really tried not to be revisionist and put myself in the situation that I was a KISS fan in 1982 because I wasn't. I didn't suffer through The Elder. I didn't suffer through Unmasked coming out or the shock of I Was Made for Loving You leading off Dynasty. So I'm strictly coming from the 80s point of view that it's on my list because it's a great opening track without a doubt. Now, if it was Killer, oh, that would be way up my list just because I like that song a hell of a lot better. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, it's taste. It does. It, it sets the tone. It's a declaration. We're back. We're metal. We're bad. We're, you know, guitars. We're drums. It's amazing what you can do with Toto's drum set as well, just with the proper miking, because that was just a hodgepodge of Toto's gear, not actually Eric Carr's drum set. So... You know, it's a great song. It's just that there's so many other ones that fit into my story that when I was thinking about these opening tracks, that make more sense. So, yes, you're all right. It's a better song. It's a fantastic song. But rightfully, it's at the top of our list. So, you know, our, our communal list, because we're guilty together. And again, remember, it could have been crazy nights. No, it couldn't. Never. Let's move on. In second place, and no one's going to be shocked with Daniel, Mark, and myself on this, and I think Lonnie's guilty today as well. Yeah, all four of us voted for it in second place on 31 points. So you guys actually voted this higher than Creatures of the Night, so just get ready for all the hate that's coming your way. King of the Mountain. Um, Daniel, start us off. Well, this is a perfect opener as well. Um We've talked about it previously. It's hard to pick between some of these uh, opening tracks because they are so good. But, you know, the bombastic drums uh, kicking off the album. Um, many ways I see this as a sister record to Animalize. And uh, I still feel that I've had enough is more uh, aggressive and start off 
the album in an even better way, but this is close to that one. So I think it's just a great song, one of the best songs they ever did uh, out of makeup. And unfortunately, much like I've had enough, never got a chance live, really. Just a spot here or there. Um, too bad, because it's a, a great song. Yeah. Mark? Well, this was my number one pick, hands down. Uh, to me, this this represents Eric Carr's best drum work, in my opinion. I think that he, he drums just fantastically on this. Uh, this is also my favorite Kiss album, Non-Makeup, which brings it as the number two overall Kiss album for me. Um, and this is an era of Kiss that I really, really loved. Um, I had all kinds of circus magazine pictures from this time on my wall, mainly of Bruce Kulick, because I loved those ESP guitars that he had at that time, those kind of purpley ones with the weird, weird swirl on the edge and stuff. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, mocked their outfits then when what they were wearing was very bright and colorful. But, you know, back then I thought it was just, you know, it really stood out, especially under concert lighting when they were dressed up like that and they had all these kind of cool looking guitars. And, you know, the, the, that song was just something that hit me right off the bat. Again, I put this, I bought it on cassette. I put it on and I was like, wow, like the, the, the song starts off with a drum solo part, you know, like that was just something to me that was just unheard of at that time, you know, and I just thought that the guitars sounded really cool. I mean, I don't know if they went through some sort of amplification change between albums, but Paul Stanley's rhythm guitar sound was a little bit different, had a little bit different mid-range to it than albums prior to it. But uh, something about this album just totally connected with me in every sense, not only with Paul's songs, but even with Gene's. I think a lot of Gene's songs on here really connected with me as well on this record. So I think overall, uh, I think that it was well done, and hats off to Paul. I think he did a lot of the production work for this album, so it sounds really good. And again, I think that all the things that we talked about earlier for what makes a great opener is present here. Everything catches you, makes you sit up and listen, and when the, the song is done, you're anxious to hear what comes next. So I think it's a great song, and to me, it's my favorite opener. Nice. Love yeah. both of those thoughts on you. Uh, Lonnie? Um, again, the the drum intro, um, starting it off, and it's it's a perfect opening song for for Asylum in the mid '80s. Um, I have it on my list, and I, and I knew I knew Mark would have it higher, and I'm sure I knew Julian would have it higher than I do too. Just again with time, you know, time frame when everybody came into the band and what it means to different people. But it it, it is a great way to kick off that album coming out of Animalize and still having that, it has, a, it has a very 80s vibe to it, which isn't a bad thing in my opinion. I mean, I, I think it's a great thing in my opinion, because um, that's still what I listen to more than anything else is 80s and early 90s music. So I think listening to that, I, I love the way it starts off. And it, it's a great song, just it's a great song just in, in general too. I mean, it's a great song like to, to work out to or a great song just to get you fired up about anything if you're getting ready to go and give a presentation or something listen to that song you're going to go in that meeting room <laughs> fired up and like shot out of a cannon so i think it and and you know take shot out of a cannon i mean that that song just shoots that album right out of a cannon and really gets you like wow this is 
just is great stuff to to kick off an album. So it, it's high on my list, and I can see why it's even higher on your guys. Yeah, it's number one on my list simply because of my entry point into the band. I've told the story many times that it was the videos from Asylum that made me a fan. I went down to Kmart on that Christmas, and or it was on my birthday, and bought this album and then put it on. And then it was immediately, you know, the song that touched me, the bombastic drumming, the positive affirmation of the lyrics. It's Kiss's Eye of the Tiger. You know, it's just mm. such an uplifting song. It was never about, it was Eric Carr. That that didn't mean anything to me in 1985. It was just a fantastic, bombastic intro followed by soaring, you know, vocals, great <laughs> guitar work, great message, just everything. And I was like, wow, you know, this is a great album. You know, we won't ever talk about Any Way You Slice It, but, you know, King of the Mountain is. So it represents so much to me as... A Kiss fan, and to this day, when I play Asylum, I'm happy. Uh, it's a much less complex world when I have my headphones on and Asylum blaring on a walk, or I'm out working or whatever. So, you know, that's the great thing about music and becoming the part of the soundtrack of our lives. You know, you, you can, see, you can mm-hmm. see Rocky running on the beach listening to exactly. Music, you know. <laughs> And like Lonnie said, before going into a meeting, geeing yourself up and, you know, going in there and slaying and, yeah. Oh, good shit. But not quite as good as the number one pick. Which, uh, you know, it only just squeaked through. One point difference. 32 points. Deuce from Kiss Alive. And, you know, that's the only only way to get Deuce into the the kind of mix is with the live albums. But the quintessential kiss opener for so much of the 70s the early era again it's my all-time favorite kiss song so it was my number two pick deuce and it was also the only gene song on my list so you and it's got to be alive alive is just such a masterpiece for what it captures um let's see what everyone else um daniel you had it as your favorite yeah i mean as you said, it's the quintessential Kiss song and Kiss opener. Uh, the album starts off with uh, you wanted the best and you got the best. And I think this certainly is the best way to open a show f- uh, for Kiss. Uh, and um, if you go back in time, after hearing those three first albums and getting this, I mean, it must have blown the minds of people. Uh Finally, they managed to capture the live sound, uh, the bombastic, the, the dangerous feel of Kiss in the early days. And I mean, just the way it starts off with that bomb in the background and Gene singing his heart out and the Gene scream in the middle there and all of it. I mean, you can't top this for me. So I had it at, at number one and uh Still to this day, I, I hold the Alive album up to any other live album in the world, I think. Uh, they never managed to top this live album, but it certainly is a hard thing to do because I, I simply love this live album. And the opening song sets the tone. It's, it's really what saved Kiss, you know. Uh, the three first albums didn't sell a lot, but this one did, and things started to snowball after this one. Yep. Great sentiment, great thoughts. Lonnie, Deuce. Um, yeah, Deuce starting off Kiss Alive. 
are there many things better in life than Deuce starting <laughs> off Kiss Alive? Not, no. Not many, you know. So, you know, it talk about talk about hooking you and grabbing you in from the one of the best intro to that guitar riff to the hearing the bombs going off in the background to the Gene scream in the middle of it, as Daniel mentioned, to the the very end of the song where you, where you can just see the guy swaying back and forth in your mind with if you're listening to the album with your eyes closed and imagine being in Cobo Hall in 1975. I mean, it's why we're Kiss fans. It's Kiss Alive. Come on. If it wasn't for Kiss Alive, Kiss would have been like a cult band that died after 18, 19 months. So, you know, it's why we're Kiss fans. It's, is that song and leading off into Kiss Alive? So it's it's and, you know I I think Kiss should open every every concert with with Deuce. I, you know, I know Detroit Rock City is a great opener, but I it's still my favorite is when they open with Deuce when I see him live. So it's the perfect song to open an album with a live album with. Yep, Mark. Yeah, I mean, what a great song. I mean, especially on the live album of course i think and i'm i'm not surprised that we all picked it from the live album i wonder if, uh how people would have thought about it if if we could only pick from the studio album version if it would have ranked as high but uh it it's such a great live song uh, i remember when i first started getting into getting live bootleg videotapes uh Cobo hall was one of the first ones i got like from this tour and i remember it 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 hit me right away like the 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 video was so well done and I was surprised that from like, you know, 76 that this film was so, you know, good looking and it didn't look like some horrid, you know, seventh generation copy of a concert. And they just played it so well. Uh, everything was just much more impactful. I think the main thing that Alive did that the studio records didn't do is that, it you know, it captured the sound of them live. I mean, the one thing that that's very evident live is that Gene's bass guitar sound is so overdriven and distorted. Like when he when they first do those like little sound check before they start playing, you can hear his bass and it just sounds like it's gonna explode when they hit those bass notes on it. And it's not like that on the studio albums. You know, it's much more, you know, toned back and a lot cleaner sounding. And oh it's just they, they just didn't match what they did live on the studio stuff. So whenever they played any songs off of those records in this live capacity, they sounded a thousand times better. But Deuce is obviously the the proper song to start off a show with. And there's no, it's no surprise that when they did the reunion tour, you know, in, in 96, that they opened with this instead of Detroit Rock City. Yep. And on that note, it's also a great song on which to end the show, which we've done today as our number one pick. So just a, a quick recap of what this little group has uh, selected as our top 10 favorite opening tracks off all Kiss and related uh, albums. In 10th place, Coming Home. 9th, I've Had Enough Into the Fire. 8th, Rip It Out, the only solo album song to get a mention. 7th, um, Detroit Rock City. 6th, Exciter. 5th, Unholy. Fourth, I Stole Your Love. Third, Creatures of the Night. Second, King of the Mountain. And of course, the winner. You can't go wrong with Deuce from Kiss Alive. Just think of what it would have been had Eddie Kramer done the first album. Mm. I guess they got there in the end. And, uh, but that's yeah. another show. Yeah, they, they've, they've, had, <laughs> they've had a reasonable career. 
I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> sure that, I'm sure there's a future right. for them. Yep. All right, guys. You know what a what a great way to discuss the songs. You know these these panel ranking things are just a way to frame the songs to talk about different topics. You know it's just what this panel thought on a day. And again, you know it, it changes probably a fair amount depending on what we're listening to and our moods and uh, where we're at in our lives. So for now, from Daniel, from Mark, Lonnie, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Take care and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Or happy Happy Festus, <laughs> whatever you do, be happy and take Festus. care. Bye now. Festus. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.